Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. For the last number of weeks, we've been looking at some of the many timeless stories from Scripture that give us a glimpse of the character of God and the love that He has for us. When Jesus came and walked among us, He often used stories to describe spiritual truths as well as provide a picture of the heart of God. Today, I want to tell one of the stories that Jesus told. Once there was a man who had two sons. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I can already relate to the story because I also have two sons. My boys are a lot alike in many ways, but they're also very different and unique in terms of their personalities. And the sons in this story were also very different from each other. Now, one day, the younger son came to his father with a very unusual request. He asked his dad to give him his share of the entire estate before his father passed away. Now, the father agreed and gave the younger son his portion. The younger son was very excited about this and he packed up all of his stuff and he took the money his father agreed to give him and he hired it off to a country that was far away. When he got there, he spent all of his money on parties and wild living and just as the money started running out, a famine hit the land. The younger son had spent almost everything that he had, leaving no money for food and so it wasn't long and he began to starve. He was in a terrible situation, hungry and penniless, with no one to help him. But he kept on asking those around him, help me, help me, until finally someone eventually gave him a job feeding pigs. He was so hungry that even the pig food started to look good to him. Finally, he said to himself, what am I doing here? I mean, this is nuts. This is absolutely crazy. Here I am starving. Well, back at home, even the servants have plenty to eat. I know what I'll do. I'll go home and I'll apologize to my father and I'll ask him to take me on as a servant. And so that's what he did. He packed up everything that he had, which took about two seconds because he didn't have anything, and he headed home. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and he ran to meet him. And he was overjoyed and he kissed him and he hugged him because of his great love and compassion for his son. And then finally, the youngest son said, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. But the father would have none of it. He called the servants and said, Quick, get the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring on it, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Prepare the calf we set aside for special events. We need to have a celebration. My son was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. So the celebration began. There was food heaped up on the table and music and dancing and singing and laughter. Now, meanwhile, and I love the meanwhile, every good story has a meanwhile. Meanwhile, the older son was out in the field working. And when he came home, he heard the music and the party and he called one of the servants and asked, what is going on? Well, your brothers come back safe and sound and your father's throwing a huge party to celebrate. And when he heard this, the older son became incredibly angry and he refused to go into the party. When his father heard about this, he came out to see what was wrong. The older brother told him, I have worked hard for you 
all these years. I have never disobeyed you. I've done everything that you've ever asked of me. And you never threw me a party. But when this son comes home who blew what you worked so hard for on partying, you throw a celebration for him. I, I don't get it. This is crazy. I don't, I, I don't know what's going on. The father understood his frustration and said, you have always been with me. Everything that I have is yours, but we had to celebrate. See, your brother was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. This is a great story, isn't it? I love it. It's one of the, my favorite from, from Scripture. A young rebellious son, he leaves home, blows his entire inheritance, and he's welcomed back with open arms by his waiting father when he returns. Now, the older brother, yeah, he's a little bit miffed, but you know what? He'll get over it. Now, when we first hear the story, that's what we see. But every story that Jesus told contained meaning beyond our first impressions. And so I think it's important for us to just ask a couple of questions today. Here's the first one. Why did Jesus even tell this story? If we go back to the, to the beginning of the chapter, we actually read this in Luke 15. The tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. So our story was told to the Pharisees and religious teachers while in all likelihood, Jesus was in the presence of those that the religious people saw as sinners. But in fact, this isn't the first story that Jesus told in this setting. The story that we heard this morning was a grouping of three stories that he told. First, he tells a story about a sheep that was lost and the celebration of the shepherd once he finds it after searching high and low. Then Jesus tells about a coin that was lost and the rejoicing of the woman who finds it after scouring her house. And then lastly, Jesus tells our story from today. All three stories, including ours, about the youngest son, shows how much God cared about those who were lost. See, Jesus wanted the Pharisees and the teachers of the law to understand how much God cared about the people who didn't know him, who didn't understand about his love for them. And remember, Jesus told this story to the religious leaders of the time, most likely while he was hanging out with, quote-unquote, tax collectors and notorious people. That's what the passage says. So Jesus told this story to those who, he wanted those who were listening to, to know that God cared deeply about those who don't know him. And he gladly receives those who turn to him. He wanted the religious leaders to hear this story and these, again, quote-unquote, notorious people. They wanted, he wanted them to understand this. And that's the overarching theme in this whole story. God cares about those who don't know him and he gladly receives those who turn to him. That's the main point of the whole story. But there's also a number of other spiritual truths that we can learn from the characters in the story. First of all, we have the youngest son. He asked for his share of the inheritance ahead of time. Now, in these days, a father could grant his inheritance either before or after his passing. Typically, it was done after. So the son, at minimum, was asking for an exception. Well, why? I think it's because he doesn't really grasp the whole picture when it comes to his father. He doesn't understand the incredible love that his father has for him. Instead, he thinks that he can do life better on his own. So in his pride, in his self-centeredness, he asks for his inheritance ahead of time. 
and he leaves for a country that's far away. So essentially what the son is doing is he's cutting himself off from his father completely. The youngest son is actually like those who are far away from God. He's like these tax collectors and notorious people that Jesus often hung around with. And the son's sin was also like that of those who are often far from God. He believed that he could live life without the love of the Father. And because of that, he cut himself off from him. But there's a lot about the youngest son that also shows us about what it's like to come back to God. His character teaches us a lot about repentance. First, while feeding the pigs, he comes to his senses. And that's actually the phrase that most translations use. He, he comes to his senses, he came to his senses. And so the reality of where his decisions had taken him, they, they finally set in. Doing life his way brought him to this place where he had to slop pigs to stay alive. It brought him to a desperate place. It brought him to a place of loneliness and emptiness. It brought him to rock bottom. In the same way, receiving the love of God begins by seeing our own condition for what it really is. No matter what we do, attempting to live life without God results in an inner emptiness that nothing will satisfy. On our own, we fall desperately short. The Bible calls our own strivings to find satisfaction outside of God. The Bible calls them sin. Now, once the youngest son understood his true condition, he makes a really interesting statement. He says this, I will set out and I'll go back to my father. So he turned away from his own attempts to find inner satisfaction and he turns towards the father. Repentance means we turn completely away from what we've contrived. We turn away from our own sin and we turn completely toward the heavenly father. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's the essence of repentance. It's a turning from and a turning toward. Lastly, the son determined what he was going to say to his father. And that's an interesting phrase as well. Father, I sinned against heaven and against you. See, he didn't try to blame his overachieving brother or anyone else. Instead, he owned his sin and he confessed it openly to his father. When we confess our sinfulness to the heavenly father, some of us may actually expect condemnation, but that's simply not the case. Instead, when we confess... We are forgiven and we are welcomed, like the son was in the story. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that's the younger son. And I want to take a second and just look at the older son. The older son was out working in the field when the younger son returns. And he gets extremely angry when he hears that the younger son has come home and his father is throwing him this great big party. Now, his conversation with the father is actually very telling. All these years I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders. These words of the oldest actually echo the attitude of the religious leaders of Jesus' time. See, they were sitting here and they were listening. Jesus told this story directly to them. And their focus was on the obedience to the Old Testament law. And their emphasis was on their works. When it comes to this story that Jesus told, many of us, I mean, we, we grasp what's going on with the younger son, but we lose sight of what's happening with the oldest son. His sin was important for us to recognize as well. His sin was the same as that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. The oldest son 
was self-righteous and unforgiving. Now let's look at the father in the story. Father is very interesting. The first thing that all of us probably notice is that the father allowed his son's request. I mean, he didn't have to do what the son asked of him. He had complete authority in his home and he could have refused to give the youngest son anything. But he didn't do that. Instead, he allowed his son to go his own way, to take his inheritance. He allowed him to go and choose that path and he allowed him to make his own mistakes. But despite granting his son's request, the father never gave up on him. The passage says, while well, he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. So this tells us that the father was actually intentionally watching for the son. In fact, he was probably on the rooftop of his house. Homes in that era had a flat top and there was a stairway up on the outside to the roof. And he was probably going up to the roof several times a day. From this vantage point, he would have been able to see for great distances. The passage says when he was a long way off, his father saw him coming. So he was probably up on the rooftop. And when he finally saw him, he ran to his son. Now that's interesting too. No patriarch ever ran. It wasn't dignified. It just simply wasn't done. It wasn't in culture. And yet the father in Jesus' story throws out all these social norms. He throws them out the window. Why? Because of his love and compassion that he felt for his son. He had to run the first moment he saw him. And instead of making his son grovel, as so many earthly fathers would be tempted to do, the father welcomes him. He's hugging him, he's kissing him, he can't stop. And he bestows on him several significant gifts. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. The rags which smelled of pigs were quickly taken off and replaced with the best robe in the house. This reminds me of another Old Testament story, the multicolored coat that Joseph received from Jacob. This set him apart, and the robe given to the youngest son was also one that set him apart as someone who was special. The son was also given a ring for his finger. Now the ring was probably a signet ring. It bore the family emblem. And as bearer of this ring, the son rep then represented the family, and he was empowered to make decisions on behalf of the family. He had the seal, he had the stamp. He was also given sandals for his feet. Now, normally sandals were made for walking and for working. Servants and slaves wore this type of sandal. But the sandals given to the son were more like the dress shoes of today. Fancy, expensive, denoting position and authority. So the father in this story is a picture of God and the heart that he has for those who are lost. See, God doesn't force himself on anyone, but he allows us to make choices for ourselves, even if it means that we reject him and his love for us. But even if we do go that route, if we turn away from him, God is constantly watching for those who would turn toward him. And his compassion causes him to lavishly pour out his love and his mercy upon anyone who would come. And he chooses not to hold our sins against us when we ask for forgiveness. But he embraces us as family as we recognize our wrongdoing. And he embraces us not only as family, but as his children. And he celebrates beyond what we can imagine when we choose to accept his love. Luke 15 verse 10, just a verse just before this whole package of stories is told, says this, There's joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. So from, this, from the overarching story, 
we see that God cares deeply about those who don't know him, and he receives those who turn to him. He gladly does that. We see something in the, the characters from the story as well. But I think that there are also questions. The this, this story, the characters, these cause us to ask questions of ourselves as well. And so I want to look at some of those here today. Here's the first one. When have you been like the youngest son? Has there ever been a time when you've rejected God or walked away from him? Perhaps there's a time of rebellion in your life or pride or even hurt or disillusionment. All of these things can cause us to turn our back on God and say, I don't need him. I don't want him. I'm going to trust in my own strength instead. I'm going to trust in my own strategies and what I want to do. Now, if you can relate to the youngest son in this way, I just want to invite you to consider dealing with the stuff in your life that keeps you from the Heavenly Father. Just as the son did in the story, turn away from your own strivings and turn towards God. And you can be straight up with him about where you've been and what you've been doing and, and what, you've been, what you've been involved in. We can confess that and we can ask for forgiveness. And God won't accuse you. God won't belittle you. God won't make you pay for your sin. Because, see, Jesus has already done that on the cross. Instead, when we come to God and confess, our Heavenly Father will welcome us with open arms and he'll, he'll extend his forgiveness and he'll make us a part of his family. Here's another question that I want to ask today. When have you been like the oldest son? If you remember, the oldest son resembled the religious leaders of the time. They trusted in their religion, in their, in their history, in their faith, and in their works. Perhaps there's been times when you've done that too. Perhaps you've been proud of your spirituality. Maybe you've acted judgmentally towards others who aren't as quote-unquote spiritual as we might be. Or maybe you've struggled with unforgiveness. That was one of the challenges of the older son as well. He couldn't seem to forgive his brother for all that he had done, for blowing all of that inheritance. How have you forgiven those who've offended you? Have you extended forgiveness or are you hanging on to your bitterness instead of finding freedom through forgiveness? If God's convicting you through the example of the older son, please remember that the father's compassion is the same, <clears throat> excuse me, is the same for both the older son and the younger son. The same forgiveness is there. The same forgiveness is waiting for you as that which the younger son received. Where do you need to be more like the father? Where do you need to be more compassionate to those who are far from God? Perhaps it's a coworker. You know that person at work that just kind of rubs you the wrong way, that grinds on you, right? Maybe it's a family member. Where do you need to be more gracious with others? Maybe it's a, a friend, maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your spouse. And lastly, where do you need to forgive? Whose offenses are you still hanging on to? We need to lay these things before God and forgive others, just as the Father in the story shows that God forgives us. So there's the story of the prodigal son, great story of Jesus, and hopefully the characters have caused us to take a look at ourselves and do business with God if he's revealed anything to us today. But in closing, I just want to refocus that overarching theme in the story again. God cares more than we can imagine for those who don't know him.
and he wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to welcome us into his family and he's watching and he's waiting for anyone who would turn to him. So if you've sensed his voice calling you as we've looked at this story, I'd encourage you to respond to him even today. You can text our church number. Just text CHURCH to 306-249-0084. That's the Ebenezer number. And follow the prompts um, that you'll find there. And we'd be more than happy to just connect with you and and chat this through uh, at greater depth and and talk through uh, whatever it is that's on your heart. Please do that today if you sense that God God has been working on you as we've looked at this passage. Let's pray together. Father, today I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the truth that is revealed in your word. I want to thank you for this parable that Jesus told even today and how powerful it is from so many angles. For those of us perhaps who have been like the older brother and have been judgmental or we've, we've trusted in our heritage or in our religion or in our works, Father, I pray that you would convict those of us who, who need that today and that we would come back to you and ask for forgiveness and, and make things right with you. Um, even from that perspective. Perhaps there are some today who have realized that they need to be more like you, that we need to forgive others around us more readily, that we need to, to be more gracious, that we need to be more compassionate, that we need to be more open to those who are far from you. If you've been working on our hearts this morning in that regard today as well, Lord, I pray that we might we come to you and seek forgiveness and walk, uh, walk with you closely in that regard as well, and, and open our lives and our hearts to those who don't know you. And perhaps there's some today who are watching who are like the youngest son, who have walked away from you, who are, or who have just simply never, ever even turned towards you. If there are some here today who are all of a sudden realizing that their own devices, their own strivings are just not doing it, I pray that we would convict and that we might turn away from those things that we think bring satisfaction, that we might turn away from our sin and that we would turn to you, Father. I pray that you would give grace for that, that you would give courage for that and strength for that. And I pray that even today there might be some who would say, I want to know you, God. I want to know you as my compassionate Father. Confess what I, I'm confessing what I need to and I want to be a part of your family. And so, Lord, we just lay all of these before you today, every character represented in the story, thanking you that most of all, you love us more than we could ever understand, and you welcome us into your family. Thank you for that promise today. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you reach out to us, just as this Father reached out, waiting patiently and welcoming when we came. We ask this now, giving you praise and thanks for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you, and thanks for listening.